here in 2 Samuel chapter 3 is a truth that I want you to get today. I want you to look at two verses with me again, and then I'm going to jump into the sermon. I want you to, uh, I hate to ask you this, but I'm going to need you to think with me this morning. I know that's going to be really hard for some of you, but we're, we're going to give it a shot. Amen. Look at verse number one. Now there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. I want you to notice that statement. Long war. Look at verse number six. And it came to pass while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David. Now, look at me if you will. King David, as a 17-year-old boy or thereabouts, was chosen by God to be the second king of Israel. Saul had become the first king of Israel, but Saul had disobeyed God. Saul decided he would do God's part in the kingdom and not his part. And God said to Saul, Saul, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you and from your lineage, and I'm going to give it to another because I can't trust it to you. You've gone against me. You've done that which you should not do. And God raised up a young man named David, the son of Jesse, who is to become the next king of Israel. By the way, he was anointed about the time that he was 17, 16, 17 years old. Go back to 1 Samuel 16. We're not going to take time to turn there, but you'll see that uh, being there. Now, David decided something very important. David was anointed by Samuel to be the next king, but he said, I'm not going to have Saul killed. I'll wait for God to put me in place when he wants me. He chose to let God do it at the right time. He said, I'll not lift up my hand against God's anointed. Uh, You say, why was that? Listen to this thought for a second. Do you realize that was the first leadership change in Hebrew history from kings? This would set the precedent. And David wanted to do it God's way. David was a spiritual young man. And David said, I I could have him killed and all his family, but I want to do it God's way. And I don't want to have a bunch of bloodshed, but uh, I'll let God lift me up when he thinks I'm ready. And I'll not go against King Saul. Oh, would to God today that we had leaders that uh, would be ethical and do things right. I am sick up to here with the lack of ethics in America today. And ethics starts from the top down, not just the bottom up. It's got to go both ways. And we won't get into that. That's about six more other sermons. Amen. But Saul, of course, finds out about David being anointed. It was not anything that was private. It was common knowledge. By the way, <laughs> that takes place in 1 Samuel 16. Have you ever wondered why King Saul allowed a 17-year-old untrained boy to go to battle with the Goliath giant? My opinion is Saul wanted David killed. I personally believe he said, I'm going to send him out there and I'll have him killed this way and I won't get blamed for it. But what Saul didn't realize was God's anointing on David allowed him to whoop up on Goliath. Amen. And uh, that started something because after that, the Bible says that the women came back and sang, Saul hath slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Uh-oh. That meant the young man started getting more praise than the old man. That's why I didn't let Brother Anthony preach while I was gone last week. (laughs) Just thought I'd throw that in there. Amen. You can get to a point of jealousy, though, if you're not careful. And Saul, from that day on, got very angry and began to spy David. Matter of fact, Saul got so mad at him that Saul tried to kill David three different times. Saul actually picked up a javelin and hurled at him three different times. And fortunately, David was quick and young and Saul was 
older middle-aged and not as fast as he used to be, amen? Uh, but Saul began to hunt David down, listen to this, for the next 13 years like a man would hunt an animal. David was literally running in cave, into, into caves and through the mountains and being chased like an animal by the king. And at every point and juncture along the way, David would prevail because God's hand was on him. At two different occasions, David had a chance to kill Saul. One time he reached down and cut the bottom of his clothing off, went out and called for Saul and said, Look, I could have killed you. I did not. I'll not lift my hand up against God's anointed. And Saul said, You are a better man than I. And he ceased from chasing him from that point on. God protected David. Now listen to this. This is where we're going to transition into the sermon today. The day came that Saul and Jonathan, his son, were killed in battle. Saul was dead. The war between David and Saul was over. But was it? See, there were people that followed Saul. There was family that followed Saul. And we read, now there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. We read in verse 6, and it came to pass while there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. You see, David's battle wasn't over just because Saul died. David's battle wasn't over because he whipped up on Goliath and had been anointed king before them. There was a long war. Let me make some observations here. A war is not won in one battle. A war is a series of battles. You see, <laughs> a war... Even if, it, if your side wins a war, you're going to have losses on your side. Success is not the absence of failure. Listen to this statement. Success is not the absence of failure. Success is having one more victory than you had defeat. Amen. With every war, there are wins and losses... There is no one time where you're going to have all wins all the way through. And it's more than one battle. So a war is a series of winning and losing. And eventually one side comes out on top. We helped win World War II. World War II had been going on for uh, over two years before we entered. World War II started in 1939. We didn't get in until uh, mid-December 1941 after the Japanese dropped bombs at Pearl Harbor. I'll say why? Because we had a communist president. I'm not kidding. We lost many battles of World War II. We lost at Corregidor. We lost in the Philippines. We lost in... Uh, for a while during the Battle of the Bulge. We lost back and forth throughout North Africa and in Italy and in other places. We were pushed back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But eventually we gained enough strength and power and we wore the enemy down and we gained and lost and gained and lost until we actually won the war. We pressed into Germany. Rommel committed suicide because of a suicide or because of a being part of the attempt to try to have Hitler assassinated. Hitler and uh, some of his top men committed suicide knowing the end of the war was near and would rather die of suicide than be captured. Oh, what, if we had listened to Patton, we should have. He said, "If we will, we don't. We should not stop at Berlin. We need to keep marching to Moscow because if we don't, the next war we fight will be with the communists and 
Five years later, we were fighting the communists in Korea. You see, we pressed on. We won and lost and won and lost and won and lost and won and lost. But eventually, the winning prevailed and success will have elements of failure in it. Did you ever watch a baby learn to walk? My little nine-month-old grandson, nine months or eight months, nine months, I can't keep track. I know how old I am, I think, but I forgot. Uh, but uh, he's he, he's standing up and walking around with certain toys, and he's letting go, and boom. You say, how do they learn to walk? You let go and fall. 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 Then you take a step and fall. Then you take another step and fall. That's why God builds them so close to the ground. Because if we did that, we're not getting back up, Amen. But they're so close to the ground, it doesn't hurt. You say, why is that? Because it is a series of success and failure until you have success. Now, the Christian life is a war. Life in general is a war, especially if you're married. No, Uh, uh, but uh, we, we must be wise in how we view life so that we can win this battle, this war of, of life. Let me make a statement here. Everybody uh, under the sound of my voice, listen carefully. You will not win every battle. You are not going to win every battle in life. There are going to be losses taken. But that doesn't mean you give up. Brother James... I decided a long time ago, I've made a lot of mistakes. But every time the devil throws a punch and knocks me down, I told God I'd get up every time he knocked me down. And I decided I'd have one more get up than he's got knocked down. I've had good days, bad days. We've had high days, we've had low days. We've had the bills paid, we've had the bills not paid, and oh God, I need you to do something. I've always had one more get up than the devil had knocked down. Say, what is that? Because I've realized it's a long war. And it's a very long war. And that means I have to keep pressing on. And that means once you get defeated in a battle, get up because there's another battle coming. So, well, I got whipped. Yeah, but next time you're going to whoop up. Or, as one of my friends used to say, uh, after you get whooped, it's time to open up a can of whoop and bring it on the enemy. Amen? And we're going to unscrew the lid on a can of whoop and let God take control. You see, there are many more battles ahead. You say, well, preacher, I just won a battle. Good. Turn around. There's another one coming. Don't take too long to enjoy the victory because there's another battle coming. Just because you pulled the trigger and shot the enemy once doesn't mean there's not another one around the corner. You see, maybe you've lost a friend, a loved one. But generations depend on you. I'm wearing this tie of the Iwo Jima Memorial in D.C., I've read many hundreds and thousands of pages on the Battle of Iwo Jima itself. The bloodiest, bru- most brutal war. It's the only war, battle in, in, that we've had in American history where we lost more Americans than the enemy and still won. Over 25,000 American casualties. Can I tell you something? This thought haunts me. I wonder how many men went to fight for our freedom and died and went to hell so we could be free. They were lost and on their way to hell and were killed and died and went to hell so that we could have freedom. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to spit on the blood of these men and women who gave their lives. 
I'm not going to take it for granted that, well, somebody else will do it. No, it's my job to do it. And generations following, it's our job, it's our responsibility to take our freedom and to take the word of God because other generations coming behind need it. The day my grandson came home from the hospital, we were there. I held that little boy in my arms. Oh, I've only seen him twice since he's been born, since then. But I made a promise to him that day. I said, buddy, your pawpaw isn't going to spend as much time with you as he'd like. I said, but your pawpaw is going to try to hand you a country that's still free. Hand you an old wore out Bible. Hand it to you. Give you the responsibility. I'll do my best to Bring as much righteousness to this nation so that you have a good place to grow up in. Say why? Because there's generations that need us. There are following generations that need us. God gave us Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So, but preacher, the battle's pretty intense, and it's, it seems like the battle isn't going to end. It's not gonna. Amen. If you're still sucking air, you're still fighting. That's right. The battle's not over. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, there is no discharge in that war. There's no discharge in this war of life until you take your last breath. Amen. You know, you don't plant a crop today and harvest it tomorrow. That means this, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. They've just planted winter wheat here in the last couple, six, eight weeks. You're starting to see green come up in the fields. And it'll go dormant through the colder months, so that by May or June we can harvest the wheat. It's called winter wheat. You say, uh, but it's, it's, it's not going to grow all winter. No, but it'll winter out there. And it'll make the springtime move much faster and you'll harvest it much quicker that way. But you still have to wait. You see, it has to face the storms. It has to face the wind and the rain and the cold and the heat. And it's got to go through the stress of the weather and the elements before you have the wheat. It has to endure. May I say something? To make it through life, you have to endure. To make it through life, you have to endure. Not every seed planted will be successful. But most will. It has the potential to succeed. You see, and everybody listen to this next statement very carefully here. We don't know how to measure our own success anyway. Is success money in the bank? Not necessarily. Is success a a new vehicle or a bigger and better and fancier and more expensive house? Not necessarily. I can show you a lot of rich people that aren't real successful spiritually. I can show you a bunch of Hollywood actors and actresses or whores and whoremongers that aren't real successful in God's eyes. I can show you a bunch of rich athletes that are nothing but a bunch of perverts. Are they successful? Maybe in one area, but they're going to lose the war. I'm going to give you four statements, and then I'm going to... Uh, these, are the, uh, these are key statements that I want you to... And then I'm going to preach the, the sermon this morning. Number one, the devil is out to defeat you. The devil is out to defeat you. Number two, you can win. He's out to get you, but you can win. The Bible says in First Peter that the devil, like a roaring lion, seeketh about seeking whom he or goeth about seeking whom he may devour. But you can win. Number three, if you do win, it will be a long war with many battles. It's not one and done. Amen. 
Can I tell you something? I've been doing battle with the devil an awful long time. A very long time. And every time I think I got him whooped, uh, you go to the book of uh, John and it says that Jesus did battle with Satan and it says he left him for a season. He didn't leave him alone. He got whooped and licked his wounds and got a little better and got a little different plan. Came back and with another battle. If he's not going to leave the very Son of God alone, what chances do do we have? Amen. So the devil is out to defeat you. You can win. If you do win, it will be a long war with many battles. It's not just one and done. And number four, if you win the war, it will be a series of wins and losses. It will be a series of wins and losses. Please listen to this statement. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You're not going to win every battle. The title of my sermon today is you don't have to win every battle to win the war. You don't have to win every battle to win the war. You see, Saul sought to kill and eliminate David. Saul didn't succeed. But those battles came David's way. David succeeded. Oh, did he fail along the way? Yeah, he committed uh, adultery with Bathsheba and committed murder with her husband Uriah. Oh, he didn't win that battle. But where will Jesus sit one day in Jerusalem? On the throne of David. In the city of David. Wow. Now hang on for a second here. He didn't win a couple battles, but he sure did win the war. You see, maybe, uh, by the way, David didn't handle himself always right. Do you realize that David hooked up with the Philistine army while Saul was chasing him? (laughs) He was fighting with Hamas instead of Israel in the land of Gaza for years. He said, I'll fight anybody except the Israelites. I'll go against the rest of your enemy, but I'm not going to fight against my own brethren. He became very successful, very well known, very loved. (laughs) Finally, a big shot in the Philistine army came up to his leader and said, look, you've got to get rid of him because he's so dangerous. If he cuts loose on us, we're dead. He, was, he got an honorable discharge from a dishonorable army. Now think about it. I, I don't think David won that battle. I don't think he ought to have done it. But can I tell you something? He won the war. You see, you don't have to win every battle to win the war. Let me give you a few thoughts here. Number one, God wants you to know the joy of winning and struggle. So he'll allow life to play out without stepping in all the way. Please listen to this statement. Do you know it's not God's responsibility to bail you out every time you get in trouble? Amen. God didn't get you in trouble. You got you in trouble. Yes, sir. Am I doing all right? right? Why is it his responsibility to get us out of trouble? That's like... Yeah, I'll say it. That's like everybody that's got a college education and tens and hundreds of thousand dollars in debt expecting everybody else to pay their debt off. It's not the president's job to pay everybody's student loan debt off. Everybody doing okay? I love you. I'll tell you the truth. (laughs) That's that's one of the most ridiculous. How about those of us who paid our way through? Where's the justice in that? Are we going to get tax credit for it? Oh, no. You're too successful. Everybody else, wait a minute. Everybody doing okay? You see, uh, you, you need to have the joy of struggle. You need to have that. Uh, college is not supposed to be easy. I thank God I went to a college where they called it boot camp. Brother Heil said, these are not college dorms. These are, these are uh, 
barracks. Yeah, that's the word. I'm getting too old to remember those words too fast. Amen? Good night. We we had to pray down our money. We had to ask God. We had to work. I worked a 40-hour job, drove an hour to and from work. I put 50 hours a week, week or more in just in my job, plus taking 18 to 21 hours of class for four years. Trust me, I get it. I know what it's like to be tired, but guess what? I got through it. And when I graduated, my bill was paid. And I didn't get a loan. I paid it. I didn't have to have everybody else give me money. I paid it. Now, I didn't have much left, but I got married a month later and put her through her last year of school. Because she was a slow learner. I mean, uh, she was a year behind me. <laughs> Going to have to go to Burger King today for sure, amen? <laughs> That's if she'll give me my allowance. Anyway, uh, you know, we are so full of pride that we think God owes us to get us out of every one of our troubles. God knows how proud and sinful we are, and every once in a while, we need to conquer that. We've got to do battle with it. I'm going to say this, and I mean this with all the love that I can muster up, and I'm sincere when I say this. We have such a soft generation because adults are bailing out kids all the time. God said it's good for a man to bear his burden in his youth. Children need to learn the battle of of growing up and struggle. We're not supposed to hand them everything. Welfare is neither well nor fair. You see, the length of the war is not dependent on the battles. It's the battles that keep us humble, not the length of the war. Because there is no discharge in this war. Uh, Let me... I'll I'll preach at me for a minute. You'll be glad. Uh, You may not believe this, but I have a pretty bad temper. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) It's taken me a long time to get control of it. I would lose and I would win. Then I would lose and I would lose and I would win. Then I would win and win and then I'd lose. Then I'd win and I'd win and I'd win and win and win and win and then I'd lose again. And it's been a series of battles of winning and losing all along. You say, well, preacher, uh, you just don't have a temper like mine. Oh, yeah, I just don't keep the fuse next to the flame. We all have the same kind of temper. Just some of us are ready to light it on fire at any moment. Everybody doing okay? Come on now. You see, the war with your temper never stops. At 56 years old, I still have to fight it. Stupid people make me mad. Amen. <laughs> you know, there's just sometimes that you want to come unscrewed, but I don't. Now, I fight it. Uh, you say, well, I don't have trouble with my temper. Should we record you while you drive? What's the word you used in front of the kids at one time when you were driving? She, she, she was driving and she got mad at somebody. I know what it was. Yeah, that's it. Uh, she got so mad one day when she was driving, she called some guy a jerkweed. I got home and my kids thought mama cussed. They had never heard her say anything like that. They said, it has to be a curse word, Dad. So that was the new curse word in the bush home. Jerkweed! <laughs> he said, where did that come from? Ask her. I didn't say it. You know, uh, those of you that have been in the military and been in battle, this next statement I, I borrowed from a soldier. A soldier who gets proud in battle is going to be an easy target. You don't want to be next to the guy in the foxhole that's too proud. Say why? Because you're too close to being with stupid over there. Why do you think in boot camp and things they take you down to where you'll listen to orders? 
Because when you get to the point where you think you know more than everybody, you're about to lose your life and your buddy's life. You see, there is joy in struggle, and it's called victory. The struggle is not good, but overcoming that struggle in victory is where you get the joy. And we have a generation after generation after generation that don't know the joy of struggling in school. Some of you spent the best five years of of your life in third grade. (laughs) My wife spent over 20 years in third grade. She taught it. Uh, But uh, can I tell you something? There was a day when you, you passed or failed. They just didn't push you along. There was a day where you had to make the grade. Oh, we're not going to keep grades anymore because somebody might cry. Let them cry. You're to make them good. Amen. So God wants you to know the joy of winning and struggle. So he allows life to play out because he's not the one that got you in the problem to begin with. Amen. Number two, God wants you to have some enjoyment in war. So he'll give you victories in battles to keep you encouraged. Can I tell you something? There are casualties. There's loss. There's destruction in war. Even for winners. Even for winners. You're not going to go through this life without casualties. You're not going to go through the war without Injury and destruction of property and destruction of uh, reputation. You're not going to go through the war without taking losses. Sometimes taking a hit yourself. But you can still win the war. It's easier to look at the carnage than the victory. God allows us victories to keep us encouraged, to keep us so that we'll finish the war. I was, we were in Texas last week and a younger preacher looked at me and he said, Brother Bush, do me a favor. Don't change. I was alone with him on Saturday and he looked at me and he said, please don't change. He said, so many men your age are changing. I said, shut up. Don't call me old. <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, who do men my age go to? He said, I'm finding more and more of them that are changing. And I said, son, let me tell you something. I'm too old. I'm too stubborn. And I've seen God too much. I'm not changing anything. Amen. I said, I'm changing my clothes and that's it. I said, I, I won't tell you which clothes, but uh, <laughs> can I tell you something? I, I, I thank God I've got young men in the ministry that look to me and say, don't change, preacher, don't change. Brother Jacob Berry and Brother Chris Drollard up in, up in Maine. I've got men all over the country, Brother Jamie Jackson. They're looking to the next generation saying, don't change because... I got to come to where you are. I need somebody that's been tested in battle and knows how to win so that when I'm in battle and I don't know what to do, I've got some place to go. There's a brother Anthony coming up behind that needs somebody that's old and decrepit. I figured I'd say it before you did. But it needs that seasoning of of war to say, don't panic, it's okay. If you can hear the bullets, you're safe. It's the ones you don't hear that you worry about. See, what do you mean? If you can hear the bullet, it's already past you. You hear that, you're okay. It's the ones you don't hear that get you. It's going faster than the speed of sound. If you've heard it, it's already past you. You see, God allows us to win some battles, though, every once in a while, so we can be encouraged to keep on going. Love those little victories in battle, but don't stay there too long because there's another one coming. I thank God for each and every person that's in this room today. 
I thank God for your family being in church today and for you being here. But can I tell you something? For every one family that's in here today, how many more families should be here that were here and are gone now? Let's just tell it like it is. How many more need reached? Hey, we keep this up. We're going to have to knock this back wall out and tell Jefferson County that they need to get this thing done fast. I told a group of veterans yesterday, I'm so used to fighting hell. Now I've got to fight Jefferson County, and I'm thinking that's worse than hell. Good night. You know, I don't see people saved every time I go out so winning. But in 43, 44 years of soul winning and 43 years of preaching, I've seen hundreds of thousands of people get saved. Now, not every time I go does somebody get saved, but sometimes I go and many get saved. Sometimes I go and nobody gets saved. Sometimes I go and get cussed out. I don't care. I'm not there for, for, for them. I'm there to obey God and get the gospel to every creature. What they do with it is between them and God, not between them and me. You know, it's a wonderful thing to get done at the end of a day serving God. Put your head on the pillow and look up and say, God, I obeyed you today. I obeyed. Please don't take this the wrong way. Not many days do I go home and feel like I can see what I did that day. Sometimes it takes weeks, months, years, generations. Every once in a while, God says, let me give you a coupon here. And a Jamie Jackson comes and 25 years, almost 30 years after I became his youth pastor, now he's preaching in our church. Now that's enough to make you want to shout. If that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Say, what is that? I'm glad I stayed in the battle long enough to see it happen. You see, uh, I don't have to worry about the losses. I can focus on the successes and not worry about the losses because it's a long war. Number three, and I'll finish. Never give up. In the battle. Don't give up the war because you lost one battle. Don't give up because you lost one battle. I spent my life, Brother Jim, trying to keep soldiers in the field. I spent my life trying to keep people from giving up because they lost a battle. Okay, you got whooped. Reload. Let's change angles. Let's commence to firing. Say, but I lost that battle. But there's another coming. And if they don't start it, we're going to start it. My job is to keep you from quitting. You know, Proverbs says, A just man falleth seven times, but he riseth up again. God says that a just man will fall seven times, but he gets up that eighth time. And as long as you're willing to keep on battling, as long as you're willing to go right back out there, guess what? You won't lose. I'm going to make a statement you might not ever hear anywhere else. I don't care. The only true failure is when you give up. Amen. As long as you're still sucking air, you got a chance to succeed. As long as you have breath in your lungs and the ability to get up and do something for God, the war is not over. And it's time onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. Hey, we've got to get up and get going. But but preacher, uh, my family doesn't understand. Neither does mine. Don't worry. Trust me. Well, my family's dysfunctional. What family is not? Everybody doing okay? Well, somebody said something. So? Don't listen to what they say and don't read it on Facebook. 
Put your face in the book and get off Facebook. Some of you try to be a, a, a barometer of everything going on. You're supposed to be a thermostat, set the temperature and leave. Quit trying to gauge everything all the time. Good night. There's a reason on our website we don't have a place for people to put comments. <laughs> Say why? Because you need a preacher that's encouraged, not discouraged. <laughs> Some of you read way too many reviews. Everybody's got an opinion. Yeah, opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. You pick which one you want. Can I tell you something? We're way too worried about what everybody else thinks. You know, I only care what God thinks. I don't care what my preacher friends think. I don't care what you think. I have to please God. I happen to believe if we're centered around the truth and centered around the Bible, that if we're both pleasing God, we'll be pleased with each other. Amen. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? So, well, preacher, sometimes I don't like the way you preach. Sometimes I don't like the way I preach. Well, I don't like some of the things you say. I don't like some of the things I say. <laughs> I don't understand God. Everybody doing okay? If I could understand God, I would be greater than he is. <laughs> this is the honest to God truth. That man can tell you. On Friday, I handed him the, the orders of service with the scriptures on them for the sermons today. I had to text him this morning and say, uh, about 7 o'clock, I said, Brother Anthony, I'm sorry, but for some reason the Lord wants me to preach tonight's sermon this morning and this morning's sermon tonight. I need you to switch the scriptures on the orders of service. Is that not what I did? Say, why? Because that's what God wanted. Can I totally understand that? No, but somebody here needs this sermon. Because God changed it. I don't know who it is, but God does. Well, preacher, you just don't understand all the heartache I've seen. <laughs> yes, I do. You don't understand some of the tragedies I've been through. Yes, I do. My wife and I were in Texas last weekend. We left Friday morning early. My father-in-law went into the hospital. Sunday morning, I got done preaching, was out shaking hands with the people. My phone rang, and it was my mother-in-law. When my mother-in-law calls me on Sunday morning right after church, this is not a good thing. I stepped outside and I said, what you need, Mom? She said, I need you to tell Deb, Dad just had a stroke. Uh-oh. I said, is he okay? Yeah, he's going to be all right. I said, okay. I said, keep me posted. And, of course, I have medical power of attorney, so she had to call back a little bit later, and I had to talk to the hospital and confer and do a few things. And the pastor's family and a few other families still there. And I walked up to my wife, put my arm around her, and I said, Honey, I said, Your mom just called. What's wrong? <laughs> I said, Your dad just had a stroke. He's going to be okay. It's not fatal. I don't know how much damage yet, but uh, he's going to be okay. But I just need to let you know. The pastor was standing there. He said, Do you all need to, to leave and go to where he's at? My wife very sweetly said, Why? We can't do anything. We're here. And it, it, over and over and over, he kept checking. You sure? Uh, do you all need to? No, we're fine. Even if I were there, it wouldn't have stopped anything. That's what they make these stupid things for. I can talk to them. I said, it's all right. That's not where our heart was, but that's what we needed to do. And we've learned to win the battle that way. Oh, I've dealt with murders. I've dealt with tragic accidents. I've dealt with sudden death. I've dealt with long, prolonged deaths. I've dealt with heartbroken parents over children that have disappointed. I've, you, you name it, I've seen it. I've dealt with widows of, uh, that are 20 years old. I remember going to the hospital. A man was in a car accident, and they had just been married a few days, a few weeks. Walked into the hospital, and 
the emergency room doctor met me and said, is the guy's wife here? I said, no, she's on her way. And he said, well, when she gets here, you're going to have to tell her she's a widow because he just died. I think she was 20 or 21 years old. She got there and I sat down in the emergency waiting room with her and I said, I need to tell you something that I don't want to tell you, but your husband did not make it. She looked down at her wedding rings. She said, but we were only married a few weeks. She said, do I have to take them off and be a widow now? I said, well, you don't have to take your rings off, but you are a widow now. I said, we'll help. Been there. I've reached into the arms of mothers and pulled their dead babies out of their arms to hand to the doctors and nurses. I understand. I've seen a lot of carnage, Brother Jim. My heart breaks. I hate the devil. I hate what sin does. I know a young man that was a saved young man but got rebellious, rebelled against his mom and stepdad and ended up killing himself on a motorcycle at about 110 miles an hour. I remember going back for the funeral and as his mom and dad, they walked him down the aisle, she came to the casket and threw her body across his and started screaming. We had to literally pry her off that casket. I know I was in a funeral one time and a young man's dad died and he was rebellious against his dad. And he jumped up on top of the casket and grabbed a hold of his dad's body and said, Dad, I, one more time, one more time. Had to pull him out of the casket. Oh, I've seen a lot of carnage. Trust me. But can I tell you something? My job is to let you know you don't have to lose the war. You may lose a battle, but you don't have to lose the war. You see, that's why I preach so hard. That's why people come and get my counsel and my advice so that they can make it. I had a local politician come see me this week. And I said, how can I help you? And they said, I just came to get encouraged. So, for about an hour, I encouraged. I was glad they know where to come to get encouraged. You see, that's why we have to help people obey the Bible. Because when you do it God's way, you're going to come out on top side. Say, well, I lost a battle God's way. Yeah, but you didn't lose the war. (laughs) May I say something? The devil thought he won. He sent Jesus to Calvary. He crucified the Lord of glory. But on that Sunday morning, the earth began to shake. They went and checked at the tomb, and the stone had rolled away. And when the devil looked in, he said, Uh oh. I thought we had him. No. Matter of fact, the Bible says, had he known it, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Easter is the biggest sucker punch in world history. Right in the devil's old big face. God used the devil to have Jesus crucified for our salvation. I love it. And I imagine the devil thought he had won for a little while. They had a party for three days and three nights. But when that Sunday morning came, look out, party was over. And he's been losing ground ever since. Oh, he wins a few skirmishes every once in a while. You know, you don't have to win every battle to win the war. Well, preacher, I've got, seems like I've got more losses than wins. But if you've got key wins, it doesn't matter. First one you have to win is that of your eternity. Do you know for sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? 
Last Sunday, there was a man baptized in Texas, 81 years old. He'd grown up in church, heard it, but finally one day it made sense that he couldn't do anything to get it, that he needed to accept it by faith. Trust Jesus as a Savior came last Sunday and got baptized. Baptism didn't take him to heaven. Getting saved got him to heaven. Say, well, preacher, it just seems like I've tried to conquer some things in my life and in my Christian life, and I get a couple steps ahead and then I fall back. Well, get back in and start battling again. You know, when the devil reminds you of your past, how about we remind him of his future? Oh, you can't do that. You're not strong enough. No, but I know where you're going, and I'm not going there. (laughs) Can I tell you something? You don't have to win every battle. But let's keep on fighting. Let's stay in the battle. Let's enjoy the wins, but let's not enjoy them too long because there's another battle coming. Let's just realize we're going to lose some. But if we keep on fighting, we're going to win the whole war. There's a day when this voice will be silent. This old body will give out. I'll be laying in the box there, but can I tell you something? (laughs) Don't you cry for me. Because I'm going to really start living then. The battle's done then. The war's over. And I got victory. Maybe we just ought to not give up in the battle. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Who'd say, preacher... If I died today, I know for sure I'd go to heaven. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I know that for sure. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I'll not embarrass you. I'll not call you out just like I did not these. Who'd say, preacher, if I died today, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven. But I'd like to know that. Would you raise your hand? All right. Who'd say, preacher, somewhere in that sermon something I needed today? you raise your hand oh my soul scores and scores and scores of hands thank you You may put them down